Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others, and the planet. Welcome to episode 45 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Mr. Andy Hecke on the show with me today. Andy has been researching and applying enterprise excellence for many years. Andy's mission is the continuous pursuit of being and achieving more each day, communally and individually. He is passionate about helping others reach their potential and create a better future for themselves, their organization, and their customers. Let's get into the episode. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, Brad, I really appreciate the opportunity. I've uh, really enjoyed all the other podcasts, so it's great to uh, great to participate and contribute, hopefully. Yeah, well, Matt, I, I know your background. I'm so looking forward to getting into this conversation on, on your area of focus. Mate, yeah. but before we do that, talking about your, you know, your three-pillar model, but what's your backstory, Andy? What what significant moments got you involved in this and interested in this field of continuous improvement and enterprise excellence? Uh, that's a, that's a tough question, Brad, because there is no no real thing that sort of led you there. It's almost like a, a series of accidents or events that sort of turn into a pathway. And when you look at it in hindsight, you kind of see the logic behind it, but there was nothing sort of driving me to hit this road. So it's sort of just uh, the journey exposed things over time and uh, got, got uh, really into it. But I think as a youngster, uh, I was a pretty scared and timid little fellow and, and always worried what other people thought. And um, I ran across a book. Uh, I was working at a book distributorship, packing orders, uh, about 18 or so, and ran across a book, uh, Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun. And uh, that was such a great little uh, toolkit, something easily I could digest. And it really resonated me with uh, the, the things because when reading what a leader was about and, and what they stood for really resonated. And I guess my uh, my father and my older brother, my grandfather are leaders in their own rights. And uh, having that around you really just sort of set the, the model in the scene. I wasn't quite sure what it was, but it was something that then sort of resonated. And I guess that's really the, the match uh, that maybe it was lit to uh, to get us to where we are today. So uh, yeah, no, no real plan, just accidents. <laughs> wow, that, I've I've read that book before. Uh, a leader got me onto that book once, and um, it's a it's amazing. Like the the title is catchy, but then when you get into the actual content of it, there's so much leadership wisdom in there, isn't there? Well, it's it's applicable. You know, uh, I'm just an average Joe, and uh, it was so easy to digest because it's in bullet form. It was something that you could re- relate to and then take and apply. And I, and I think that's really what's driven sort of my passion is converting the academia or all this great knowledge. And so how does it actually get applied in the day-to-day space by by us? And, and that's something I think we all wrestle with in our own ways. But I think that's really the, the core of it. And it's finding all this great knowledge and turning it into something productive in your own life. It's it's so true, isn't it? It's It's all well and good to have the knowledge. And I think that's why I was so keen to get you on the shows because I know you've been so solid at actually applying the knowledge into practice. And you like through your journey on enterprise excellence, mate, who are some people that have inspired you along the way, like, and helped you develop? 
Yeah, I've, I've had a, a very fortunate history in terms of I've been exposed to all kinds of uh, industries, sports, uh, commercial, defense. And so I've been exposed to a whole host of leaders, coaches and officers and then colleagues and, and business professionals. And, and uh, you know, I've had good leaders and I've had, uh, you know, not so good leaders. And all of them have provided some sort of insight. You know, I'm uh, always interested in taking a nugget uh, from, from everything that, you know, and, and putting it into my toolbox, I guess you could call it. So there was a couple of coaches in my fencing and, and in uh, football uh, background that had moments that sort of said things to me that really locked me in. Um, you know, again, my my, my uh, brother and my my father sort of had a big impact on on, on some of that leadership stuff. Um, but I guess about ten or fifteen years ago, I started to get formally exposed to enterprise excellence, continuous improvement, this bucket of thinking. And what it did, it really crystallized a lot of stuff that I was thinking and feeling but couldn't articulate. And, and I found that very helpful from the academic side of things is, is they, they can articulate things. And suddenly what you're, what you're processing and trying to work out in your own mind suddenly just goes snap. Oh, that makes sense. There's a system behind that. There's a logic. There's a bullet list. Now I can take that, digest it, and use it. So I guess it was... Um, a lot of leadership exposure uh, through through the first uh, couple of decades, and then the last ten or fifteen years through some project management, sort of how to structure things, going and chasing goals. Um, but the enterprise excellence, yeah, started to uh, with the shingle model really was the uh, was the the wood on the fire. If we had the match way back in, that was the wood on the fire that just all made it click and, and gave me a a good toolkit to, uh, to apply. And when I I know you've got that big background in learning and you've, you've really studied for a long time. And in recent history, you've pulled it together in your three core elements or your three pillars of excellence. Like, yeah. Do you mind for our listeners, mate, just outlining what those three pillars are and, and just a little yeah. bit about them? So uh, I guess, you know, uh, I'm interested in the human elements. You know, we all have emotions and things that drive us. And then you sort of got the tools and systems that we're all taught. And you sort of how do you bring the biology and the science, uh, you know, uh, together, the engineering and, and the biology and, and, and blend it. And, you know, we're creatures of habit. Um, and I think somewhere I read along the way, it's about 60, 65 reps is something that you need to do to ingrain. So uh, thinking about that, you kind of go, Okay, well, 65 repetitions doesn't sound like a lot, but if you do something weekly, that's over a year to form that habit. Uh, if, if, if you're doing it three times a day, it'll, it'll, it'll take you just over a month to form a uh, new behavior. And, and I guess it's about getting it into your muscle memory, you know, this is the unconscious. And so the three pillars really was born out of, okay, you, we set a, a long-term goal and we need that. That is very important for our resilience. Um, and so we need to be very connected and, and clear on what that goal is. But then you got to turn it into these hundred meter sprints. The stuff in between are markers. You know, as you go in your sprint, the, the world's going to shift and change. And so it's really how do you create the focus in that short term space? And so the three pillars were, you know, run the shop. You know, what do I got to do in the day to day? Whether that's the business transactions or get myself ready in the morning or, or you know, just just that stuff. Then focus. What am I doing? In the next 100 meters that advances my plan and then the third one as a leader is uh, that often gets overlooked is what am i doing with my people um, and and so that's the cadence uh, something i took from aviation is the cockpit scan you're just going through this continuous cycle of updating the information so you understand the condition of things and where you're going and, and that that's the three pillars then as a leader that i apply sort of on a weekly 
basis, you, you should be able to check off and answer those three questions. Run the shop, what am I doing to advance the plan, and uh, what have I done to, to help my people? Wow, so run the shop, advance the plan, support the people. Correct. It's pretty three pretty simple topics to look at there. Mate, do you mind if we go into the run the shop first of all and just explain a bit more detail about that? Like what, what are the key elements for you in that pillar of excellence of running the shop? So running the shop is um, really the, you know, the trade of, of our business, the stuff that we do day in and day out. And this is where the tools such as dashboards, uh, war board meetings, uh, the, the walking through the, the facilities uh, and connecting with your people is really uh, running the shop. So I need to be able to look at the subsystems in the business and say, are we within spec or without spec? You know, is there anything that needs conditioning? Because if, for example, the phones aren't running today, it doesn't matter what I'm doing on my strategic plan. My customers and my people aren't trading. So, you know, run the shop is about constant. Just is everything in order the way we, we needed to do for the thousand transactions a day that's going through. That's that's my number one priority. So that means the day is going to go right or the week. Um, and, and so that's where these tools and the connectivity with the people who we make accountable, uh, sorry, responsible for the results there, you know, the ones that actually build the relationships and transact with the customers, you know, that that's what's empowering to them. They can look and see the condition of things and, and, and create unilateral action, but they can also then have the opportunity to raise the alarm and go, hey, we got a problem here. I can't solve it. I need to to get some support from uh, from a wider community. So run the shop is very uh, important because it, it creates your connectivity with your with your uh, teammates. Yeah, I could understand teammate if the if there was challenges in the shop and things distracting you, it could impact the other two of, um, of really deliver the plan and support the people. Well, hundred percent. There's no point what you're doing for five years. If what you need to do today isn't working, you know, it's almost kind of like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? If, if you don't have the foundation, right, there's no point or attention that can be given to the top end of the pyramid. Well, that's, that's neat, mate. I, I love that because yeah, you can see it happening. If that base level of Maslow's Andy Heckey three levels of really leadership excellence, if you don't have the base level of running shop and control and running smoothly and to a high level of quality, you're just going to be constantly sucked into that and not get to the deliver the plan or support the people. Yeah, I believe that's quite common. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, we, we were very fortunate. We get to work with a, a lot of industries uh, in what we do, but um yeah, I, uh, I think that's probably the common element. We're so into the run the shop transaction, but we don't organize our time, you know, and then time management sits underneath all of that. That's the enabler. So we don't plan our time and stick to that time. Uh, yeah. Andy, if you've got, if there's a leader or someone listening to this podcast right now and they're going, well, yeah, I spend all my time running the shop. The shop's got control of me. I can't get out of the shop. What, what's a tip that you'd say to them to enable them to maybe help the shop run better and get some time to deliver something different in a plan? Well, I suppose what the one tool that one could bring into it is, is the, uh, the quadrants of, you know, important and urgent, uh, or important, not urgent, uh, you know, and then urgent, but not important. And then uh, the fourth one, why are we even talking about it? This uh, is, you know, the, the fourth quadrant. So I, I think, you know, sometimes we're, in the modern world at the fast pace and the amount of volume of stuff and in business, the, the volume of great ideas, uh, 
you know, we, we need to just set some things. I mean, think think of your morning routine, right? You set that in place, it achieves what you need it to do and you let it run and you just got to make sure that things like the toothpaste is there and whatnot. So you take that into the workspace, it's the same thing. You know, what what, what do your people need to, let's say, answer the phones and, and process orders? And, and have they got all of that? And are they clear on how that works? And are they all uh, optimized on that? Are they all sort of doing the same thing or has everybody got a different version of it? You know, there's, there's plenty of opportunity there uh, to work with the team to set up that routine, that daily cadence, you know, in the morning check of my comms up, you know, is the phone, I was going to say fax, but we don't, we don't use those anymore, but the email, <laughs> um, you know, are all my communication channels up and running, you know, that, that should be one of the first checks, uh, in, in place in, in, in running the shop, let's say. So if, if you're not talking to your customers in the morning, it doesn't matter what the rest of your routine looks like. Yeah. You have that problem. So I think the thing is, you know, what is that routine? What is the rhythm? And, and have the people help because they know. Yeah. Uh, I love that the two tips you give there, like which is the first one is look at your own time and what are you working on? Because there's probably a fair bit you can just get rid of there potentially because it's it's not important. Yep. And then you're saying the other bit is really just your routine or your process or the, the quality aspect of what you do. Is that in control? Is that clear? Is that optimized? And are you doing that with your people or not? Because I guess if you're, like you're saying, mate, if you don't respect and um, allow your people to be responsible, well, that's not really going to work either, is it? Well, you know, uh, I don't know how familiar people are with the dog sled concept. You've got a bunch of dogs and, a, and sort of a sled driver. Now, you know, I think a lot of time leaders who are the dog sled driver, which is supposed to be at the back, are trying to carry all the dogs and the sled. And you can't go very fast uh, in, in that thing. The whole part is to harness the power of the pack. And, uh, you know, they got to be clear on where they need to go. And that's the number one enabler is, is that clarity. Are we, are we all clear where we have to go? And have we, have we taken the time to engage the people? And, uh, you know, once they're clear where they go, well, they just know where to go instinctively and you need to hang on and you're there to support and, and make sure and adjust based on what's, what's going on around it. So kind yeah, of, that's a, a, that's a great analogy. Yeah. If, you, if you're trying to carry the team as a leader, you're not going far. You haven't harnessed the potential in the pack. No. And I could see too, if you haven't got those routines or processes and aligned goals, you're going to have a pack that's stumbling over each other and, and getting each other's way and causing all sorts of carnage. It needs to be their instinct. It needs to be their way of life, that 65 reps. And so if you're setting up that routine of a war board and checking the numbers and, and, and issue solving and communicating up and down, that's the first thing you got to put 65 reps into. So, you know, start daily, do, do that for 30 or 40 days. You know, it's, it's painful to carve out the time to do that. Uh, just like everything. Uh, we suck at it at the beginning, but the more reps we get, we get better at it. You know, it's called practice. <laughs> yeah. And so what you're saying is, is set up those, rapid type visual meetings that are being run around the place. And just yeah. for the first while, just focus on running the shop and get the shopping control, get the dog sled heading in the right direction with everyone working in unison. That frees up your time to then uh, focus on, well, what am I now doing on the plan? And this is then the second part, because if the people know what they're doing, why they're doing it, and then are uh, um, empowered to do that, you let them loose. The pack is running. Uh, you also give them now the opportunity and a bit of that time to help you work 
on the plan as well. And that's what, that's what gets them really engaged is because not only are they keeping their shop running, but now they're actually contributing to that community's future, our community. And, and that's where the stickiness of culture starts to come from because the respect, the participation, um, and the empowerment to, to contribute and, and make mistakes and, 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 and you know, uh, be human uh, is, is a key part because that safety element that, that a lot of people, uh, I guess, talk about is really important in that PAC community. We need to be able to trust each other. And, uh, that, that's the, uh, the ingredients, I guess, in the recipe of creating just this cadence. This, this thing that just happens, this uh, habit. And when you do that, you free up your mind space to then focus on, okay, hey, you know, Brad, how about you? What, where are your goals? What are the things about Brad? And you can now bring into the element of engagement, um, wow. which is also very important in the community. Well, so the second element of, of deliver the plan, you're saying there's two levels to that, mate, in itself. There's a level of getting everyone involved in delivering the overall plan for the team or the company so that they're part of that direction and have that autonomy. Mm -hmm. But there's also a second part, which is helping the individual deliver their plan and understanding the individual goals and their directions and then helping them actually move towards that themselves. Now I could see that could pin into your third pillar, which is support the people. But do you mind explaining a little bit more about that, mate, where you're talking about like, why is it important to help the individual achieve their goals? goal and plan and move forward as much as the organization well any any in my opinion a successful relationship whether it's individuals with an organization individuals within a family or social group or the relationship with yourself you, you've got to get something out but you also got to put something in and when those things are in balance you get a good long lasting environment uh, when they're out of balance in other words the company or the organization or the family or your friends is taking but they're not reciprocating by giving back, uh, then, then you've got a real problem. And so I'm not trying to save people. I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm here to create an environment where people can then choose to really be the most that they can be. And, uh, you know, this isn't about something that fits everybody. This is about creating a community that has a certain mindset and a culture that's driven, has a certain urgency to it. And for that to work, you know, the individual's goals also have to be satisfied, whether they be professional, whether they, hey, I go to work because I got to feed a family. I mean, again, you know, that's, that's a pretty important thing for, for most of us is, is, is that element. So, you know, what are you trying to get out of your life? And then how do we fit some of that into the business? Well, we've got alignment of goals. We've got fantastic teamwork. You know, I've been in teams where I have not fit in. So they're the square peg in the round hole type of situation. The best thing is to acknowledge that and then uh, get, get the heck out of Dodge and, and find a community that fits us. Because, you know, this idea that we're all going to be able to do everything perfectly is, is, is uh, rubbish. Uh, it just won't work. We're all different. But we've got to find the community. And once you do and you can get the people engaged and they can see the alignment of what they're getting out, they usually give you more than they take. Yeah, I've, I've worked in those environments many times throughout my career. It's, it's amazing. Andy, with planning, and if I, we can look at it in the two parts, mate, you mind explaining for our listeners where the plan's delivered and what it looks like for the organization? Like, are those, how are you doing that? Is that in the huddle again or the rapid visual meeting or is that separate meetings? Yeah, so uh, we, we have basically uh, the, the, the run the shop. So that's our, our uh, dashboard. Now, 
the outputs of those activities, the, the, the results we're looking for financially and also operationally. So, you know, service levels and, and things like that. So whatever the plan of the organization is for those goals, service levels, financial results, uh, positioning, product development, you know, wh whatever it is for the organization, uh, charities, uh, you know, serving uh, the day-to-day -day activities are the things that produce those results. So if the plan is to achieve these things, the running the shop aspect, you got to systemize all that so they naturally fulfill those objectives. Then you've got the longer term things where, uh, you know, um, you, you want to then increase your market share or you want to, um, you know, produce new products or you want to, whatever an organization's goals are, if it's a commercial or, you know, win the championship, if you're a, a footy team or, a, you know, a basketball team or something, that's then the strategic vision. And then you say, okay, what are we doing over three or four years? And that's then run the plan. And so you might be doing things with people, uh, that are not going to pay dividends in the short term, but are putting in foundations for the future, you know, um, you know, major technology overhaul, you know, you're, you're not going to do that in, in a week that might take a couple of years to, uh, to develop that. But wow, you know why you're doing it because you believe there's a, a big benefit or improvement that comes from that for the organization. So yeah, the, the run the shop is about the results goals uh, and then run the plan is, is a lot about that future. Where do we want to be uh, in a couple of steps from now? And, uh, you know, that's where the senior leadership spends most of their time on the visionary stuff. The operational should be, hey, what's the next quarter? But be very clear what the vision is so that they can allocate that. And, and your front line needs to be very much about the day to day. Um, and and it's, it's an up and down communication. But it, if we're not aligned on the short term goals, and, and the vision, then you're not going to be able to get that pack mentality chasing that on its own. Oh, okay. So I can see there's I some key... answer that question. All right. <laughs> yeah. So there's some key elements there is that at, at all levels, you've got to have the vision in place and what it looks like for each level and the, the plan in place, but the front line, it sounds to me like the measures and a lot of that strategic focus in the, in the run, the run, the shop meetings, those rapid visual meetings really delivers that outcome with driving that energy. Yes. And then at a senior leadership point of view, it's more those larger strategic projects. Do you still involve some frontliners in some of those strategic projects? Um, yeah, you, you have to because, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't know what you don't know when you're sitting in a meeting room, right? Planning, you know, you have what are we doing and why? Uh, what I find is interesting, um, a lot of people get into the how. You know, uh, I'm a bit of a lazy bugger. So, uh, you know, I don't even talk about how I want to be clear on what we're doing and, and why are we doing it at all? Right. We have time is a finite uh, resource and uh, I'm, I'm very frugal as to where do I put my time for my personal as well as the business thing, because uh, I want to make sure I'm maximizing it because I can't I can't bank it. It's it's gone when it's gone. So the meeting rooms are great uh, to, to plan, but I, I would suggest that the planning um has to be, okay, what are we doing and why? And then we go consult with the front line. And we say, this is where we think we want to go. What would it mean if? What do you think this might mean? So if we threw that stone into the water, what are the ripples? Because we think the ripples would look like this. And, and you know what? That's the cheapest way to develop stuff is to talk about it a little bit, kick it around, not be in a rush to do it, get into the how can we make it work? Because we have a finite amount of time and, and, and I suppose finite amount of money. We want to make sure 
So I think the front line is there as a conscience or a sense check with some of those big aspirations that come out of the, the big you know, leadership meeting rooms. You don't know what you don't know. If, you, if you're not walking the front line and connecting, you, you're missing part of the environmental inputs. And uh, you could miss some pretty key things on assumptions and presumptions. So you want a sense check with the front line. Well, I could see you could save a lot of time with strategic projects that head down a rabbit warren by simply doing that. Check with the front line. Check it's with very the easy to let our egos run away with us. You know, uh, people people blow some smoke up our, our our backsides and things, and we start to feel like, oh man, we're we're the best. We're you know, wow. Mm-mm, warning signs. You know, none of us matter until someone cares about us. So you don't matter. You, you're not the be all end all. Check your ego. Have an idea. Be robust about it. Check with the people. You know, get all the inputs, but don't over plan. You know, what about this? And what? Be prepared. So, you know, make a plan, be diligent about planning. Details are very important. I get accused of being very detailed, but details are the things that, uh, you know, uh, cause the disasters. The one little screw out of the machine is what it causes it to fail. Um, but, you know, be prepared and, and, and be prepared to move. So talk, plan the right amount, but then make a decision and move. Uh, yeah, that's neat. So we've covered run the shop and deliver the plan. I'm really keen to talk on this element for our listeners now and support the people because we've spoken a lot through the show so far about the people aspect. What does that involve for you or look like for you, mate, and what you do to support the people pillar? Well, uh, I, I suppose I've, I'm very fortunate uh, in, in my career to have a lot of good people around me. And um, one, of, I guess the, the number one thing about the people as, as, as a leader who has leaders uh, as my next sort of level of um, contact or, or uh, you know, environment, uh, there was a saying that I really latched on to, surround yourself with people on the same mission as you. Because that takes care of a whole host of things. I don't have to try and change your mind and, and convince you that my way is the right way or this thing is the right thing to do because we're already got that common platform. So, you know, they're, they're typically competitive people, profession, but they're all different. But what we have at the heart is, is that, you know, hey, we want to we want to challenge ourselves. Yeah. So uh, my my job with with those guys is to encourage and, and make them the best leaders they can. Right. Because I can only ever be 100 percent. They can only ever be 100 percent. But if if I can make six or seven people 10 percent better, we've already gained 70. And if they can make six or seven people better. So this is where the, the, the multiplication factor of empowerment starts to work, you know? And, and I guess the other part is we're looking for genuine people uh, with, within that spice. So again, coming back to what are they getting out of being here and, and sweating and bleeding together side by side? What, what are they getting out of it? Why are they gonna keep doing this day in and day out? That's the fundamental question that I'm always asking. Are these people the right fit? You know, they're all good people. But, you know, or, or do we have a basketball player on the, on, the, on the football field or vice versa, you know? So we're not for all people. And, and, and it shouldn't be that way. You know, we want to be inclusive. We want the diversity because that is, that is immense. But we also need to accept not every environment or goal or objective is for all people. Um, so if we get those people with the same mission as us on board um, and, and then start understanding, well, why are they in the game? You know, and that's the fundamental question because that's giving them resilience. Because if we're doing a good job, we're failing often and we're under a lot of pressure, good pressure. Um, and, and so the question that I find when I'm under stress is, why the heck am I doing this to myself? 
why, why, it would be so easy just to pack up and, and bugger off. So this is really important to then get down with, with each of your team members and you can't be that to everybody. You can't be that close to everybody. And this is why the, the leaders are important to then, you know, make sure they're doing that and instilling those habits. And so if someone's got a, a growth agenda, a learning agenda, well, then how can we cater that into the environment? Because maybe we just got another two or three years of resilience out of that person because they really value what's happening. And we, we take, take some of the formality out of it too, Brad. I think nowadays, you know, the proprietary of, you know, all of this sort of you know, stuff, there's time for that. But at the end of the day, we're just a bunch of people working together and then have some fun with each other. You know, I got, I got nicknames for most of my, uh, my close workers, you know, and, and we, there's just, there's just nothing there. Like just strip it all back. And it creates a real sense of camaraderie and safety. Um, and I think that's then what people take away is, is the journey, right? It's not the destination. It's the journey. I could see too, Andy, like for our listeners, Andy works in Australia, you know, Melbourne, Australia, and, in the Australian culture, I could see that's very powerful because it's a very egalitarian culture, isn't it? Very equal level. So maybe really with the people side, I can sense that it really comes back to that understanding the people's goals and then the organization's goals and vision and seeing the alignment to really help motivate people and build that resilience. Mm-hmm. And then the great thing I've, I hear you've said there is that, you know, if you're a leader of leaders, it's understanding that with the leaders below you but then being able to help develop them to be able to do that with the people below them. I guess you're, you're, you're developing them to be better leaders that then cascades down potentially to the next level of leaders or down to the frontline team. Absolutely. Um, you know, every small business grows and then, you know, hopefully uh, uh, you turn into a major multinational over time. And, um, you know, there's, there's leading by example, uh, but, but it's also that time management, right? So, you know, if you've got an organization and the uh, CEO is driving the truck all the time, you got a very expensive truck driver. And then more importantly, more importantly, who's leading the ship? Who's, who's taking us on our journey? Because that somebody's not doing that, right? So it's about striking a balance on, on where we allocate that time. We only have sort of full-time 1,976 hours in Australia here. That's our full-time allotment. We've got to have leave. We've got to do that. So we need to be very diligent about where do we apply that time, you know? I hear people saying they're busy, busy, busy. I don't know what busy means. There's always more to do than we can get done in a, in a period of time. But if you organize yourself, organize your time management, it's amazing. I mean, look at the people that we look up to and how much they achieve, and yet they've got the same 24 hours that we do. So, yeah. uh, you know, this cadence frees up our minds to think and act. Um, time management, what's important, what's not important. And how do we maximize the pack, you know, uh, in terms of through that empowerment, engagement, and setting up that rhythm and routine and easy communication, the dashboards, the huddles, or the scrums, or whatever toolkit you want to use. I'm, you know, they're all good in, in their own rights. You've got a right, right tool for the right job. Um, but the people are the enablers, right? We've all... I think it would be fair to say, Brad, we're all familiar with this um, uh, hamburger chain. Yeah. Right? Um, so they've got the most uh, diligent and common tools and systems. They really do a great job of, of, of looking at things and then altering based on the customer's needs. But why is it I can go into one of their uh, venues and have that great experience? Because I'm a big fan of their product. <laughs> um, 
and then I can go into exactly the same layouts and everything else and have a bad experience. The only variable there is the people. And yeah. the leadership and the alignment and engagement of the people is so vitally important because the tools and systems make good people unbeatable. Good tools and systems with so-so people are so-so people. And so the people really are the enabler of all of the other things around enterprise excellence and, and uh, you know, they, they magnify and, and, and take advantage of those tools. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate the knowledge and insights, Andy, and I can see that all three pillars are critical in your model. So the, the run the shop, deliver the plan and support the people. But it sounds from our conversation that if, if your shop's not running well and you're not supporting the people, you're probably going to have not much chance to deliver the plan. And so the two foundational Maslow's, I love that Maslow hierarchy of needs analogy you gave, but it sounds like the run the shop and support the people are critical, which will then enable you to deliver the plan. And, and then do it in a way that is fast and efficient because people are looking out, they're contributing to the pack. You can't be everywhere as a leader. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. I'm always very pleased and very fortunate to to see how people grow and develop and not everybody makes it you know there's always casualties which is uh, which is okay uh, but we want to minimize that you know yeah uh, we won't always be respectful i love how you've taken something that can be so complex in the realms of enterprise excellence and distilled it down into a simple a simple model that really you know works it's easy to remember those three things and keep working on those three dials isn't it you know, run the shop, support the people, deliver the plan. Andy, with with organizations out there, what do you believe stops organizations putting effort into these three things, you know? Yeah, uh, I think time management, right? I, I always break things into hours and days, right? So, um, you know, one of the things that I, I remind myself on the bad days, we, we got about 31,000 days. That's what we're allotted if you sort of take an 85-year lifespan. And so, you know, oh, years and, no, no, I got, no, no, I got days. And if we're not using those, geez, that's one less, that's one day less. So organizations, time management, you know, human resources is expensive. You know, uh, it's, it's one of the top two or three in, in many organizations as, as, a, as a cost, but it's an investment. And how are we ensuring that we're creating an environment where that investment, that time that we're bringing into the business is, is focusing on the right things, uh, doing it with the minimum of support and supervision, because that's additional time that's consumed with, you know, that. So we want to create an environment where that time just is almost self-sustaining, that empowerment. Um, and, and then uh, I guess, you know, the, the leaders is for the most senior people, are you, what are your leaders doing? So one of the favorite questions I like to ask, and uh, it's funny, well, we have company values the leaders of the business who volunteered for those roles largely. Uh, do you know what the values are? Can you, can you tell me what the values are? And then if you can't tell me the values and you can't articulate what the value means behind that, you know, like honor or, or, or whatever, um, then how are you going to lead the wider population in that? How are you going to tell the story? How are you going to um, 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 uh, engage in that passion in, in the people that you're, you're looking after? And so as the most senior people, I would say your leadership development is the most vital thing because you're, you're spending all of this 
investing all this money on buying people's time to get them to contribute to this community mission. And yet the leadership, which is some of the most expensive time, uh, and it's the key to maximizing the time and the commitment from, from the front line. So I would argue that time management and leadership development are probably the, the core thing that uh, I, would, I would suggest people need to take a good hard look at and say, is, is this at the appropriate level? For yeah. where, you know, yeah. That's really cool. So you're saying that, yeah, basically time's all we've got. And it comes down to, you know, what time we're spending to run the shop effectively to support our people and to deliver the plan. But rightfully you're saying, mate, if we're not developing ourselves as leaders and becoming better and better and better at leaders, well, we're not going to be, you know, running an effective shop. Well, you can't maximize. You can't, you can't achieve all of the, you know, waste reduction that we're all after, right? Because, because you have a roadblock of, well, the leaders that are responsible for the 100, 200, 10,000 employees, they're the ones that are creating the, the bottleneck and the waste because they're not engaging in, in this massive pool of resource and talent that's out there. Yeah. And so yeah. if you want to really maximize that as an organization, the enabler is your leadership cadre, senior and operational. Yeah. And um, I really see myself, mate. I, I see... I see great leadership where it's right in the middle of these two things I'm about to say, but I also see leadership that's laissez-faire where mm -hmm. they're not looking at developing themselves and they're not looking at developing others and they just go through the motions. And I typically see that their shops are out of control. And then you've got the other leaders that are putting all the uh, dogs on their shoulders rather than actually letting the dogs run out the front of the sled and they're micromanaging and they're just creating bottlenecks and people who feel disrespected. Yep. I see. Do you see those two extremes? And Oh, absolutely. I've done those two extremes. That's, that's why I'm so passionate about it because through the experiences and hard, hard fought, uh, you know, uh, exposures in, in my time, I've, I've seen what works, what doesn't work. I know what I've responded to as a follower, you know, being a great leader starts with being a great follower. You know, yeah. if, if, if you're not going to buy into the journey, so why are you a leader? I mean, I love that question. I always ask that in interviews, you know, people say, Oh, I want to be a manager. Why? It sucks. It's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of sacrifice if you're doing it in a genuine manner. Yeah. Are you, are you just doing it for your own ego and for the, the nostalgia and the parking space in the corner office? So what's your motive for being a leader? There's a responsibility that comes with that. If you're volunteering for this, what are your reasons? And again, unfortunately, a humankind is not everybody is, is after the, the goodness. Uh, a lot of us, you know, maybe are in leadership positions that we shouldn't be in. And then there's a lot of people that will never get to lead formally that, that, that can't. But it's a talent, a skill set that can be learned and practiced. And you just have to keep practicing it. You always have to be humble about it. You know, the, the conversation, the mirror and kind of go, you're not good enough yet. As soon as you, you're there you should probably get out of the game. Yeah. So it sounds, it's really that never-ending journey, seek perfection and keep and you developing. Yourself and for the organization. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's cool. Andy, with, with um, the Enterprise Excellence podcast now, we're doing two-minute tips for people that are time poor and want to just get some insights rapidly. Mm -hmm. Mate, what would be the two-minute tip in your area of expertise that you would give the listeners? So uh, I guess the two-minute tip for me is time management, uh, and and you know what are my key things? 
and, and am I doing things that drive that? So there's there's an exit, you know, I want to be this, have this, be doing this so as an organization or an individual. So the first question, are we actually doing anything to advance those causes? So you need to do an honest audit with yourself. And honest is, is the hard word. You need to be brutal with yourself. And you know, yeah, no, because you can give yourself a lot of excuses. So the time management is, is sort of the thing. It's, if this is really what I want to do as an organization or an individual, what am I doing? A no BS assessment that's advancing that. And if I'm not, well, then why am I not going where I'm going to go? Maybe it's not important enough. So you really got to connect with your, your, your purpose, you know, the thing that you're going to actually suffer for, um, because it's, it, you know, there are a lot of bad days out there. And so time management, you use the time or you lose the time. It boils down to that. So sort that out, you know, how you do it, you're going to try all kinds of things. I'm going to try a weekly routine. I'm going to use this meeting. I'm going to use all these tools. That, that's then just an art, artisan, you know, crafting and becoming, good over time but but that core what are we doing why are we doing it and how am i using my time to advance that cause um, is probably the foundation of being as efficient as we possibly can wow that's great advice because an interesting thing for listeners to do would be think how often do i reflect on my time and where i'm putting my time how often do i take to look at my purpose or have i even got my purpose defined and what goal am i chasing longer term so well, we can make a lot of useless stuff really efficient. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think social media media has proved that, hasn't it? Well, it, it, you know, and, and I love in, in the Shinga model is that the purpose, the people, and the processes, and, and you know, engage the people to improve the processes, but do the processes deliver value? Because I can, I can get all kinds of people whipped up about improvement, but we're improving things that mean nothing to nobody from uh, from our goal point of view. So again, what are we doing and why are we doing it? And having everybody clear on that, that's that's key to unleashing the power of the pack. Yeah, uh, appreciate the insight, Sandy. Andy, for yourself, you've been studying for years and applying for years on this field of enterprise excellence, and you've got a great model that you've built to help others. But what have you learned recently in your area of expertise that you didn't know before, mate? What's been a recent insight for you? Um, I, I suppose how uh, those, those common core elements that I've been sort of um, prattling on about, uh, they apply to an individual, they apply to our social communities, you know, our, our, our clubs, our families, our uh, friends, friend groups, and they apply to organizations, you know, sporting, uh, public service, commercial, those, those key things, the purpose and being clear on that, um, you know, and it's the journey, right? You, you achieve a goal, and I'm always happy when we achieve a goal. We, we love getting there, but immediately we're on to the next thing, and, it, and it's the journey with everybody else, and I, I think that's probably the thing that's become clearer with, with time and experience is, you know, oh, i got to have this, and I'm going to do that, and, I'm gonna, and you, get, you get caught up in the Hollywood lights. But actually, when you achieve it, you go, eh, that was good, but... I found myself, what's the next thing? And the things that I think about in the past are, are those moments where I struggled with a, a group of comrades and, and colleagues, and we achieved that goal. That's where the, the memories, uh, that's the stuff I find myself reflecting on and getting that nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. So, yeah, it's great, the actual outcome. But really, I, I cherish the, the hardest, most challenging journeys with a group of people and being able to then uh, suffer together and, and get there, you know? Wow. 
So it's a journey to support the people and journey with the people that is the memorable piece and then achieving the goal and I guess celebrating together. The goals are important, don't get me wrong, but once they're ticked, you know, continuous improvement, we, we celebrate for the night and then it's all right, geez, what are we going to do next, guys? Uh, you know, we're already on to the, the next thing. So, you know, that, that whatever they, they call it, statement, the journey, the destination, uh, you yeah. know, is ringing more true in the last few years. Yeah, and you've got that team and people around you then who are ready to go on to the next goal. So you're not standing there by yourself at the top of the mountain going, mm, okay, yeah, yeah, that's neat. Andy, how, how can people reach out to you, mate? You, you shared such good knowledge and your model is really simple and effective. How can people reach out to you if they want to learn more? Well, uh, probably LinkedIn is the, 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 the easiest platform for, for to grab me. Uh, if, if someone had, had a question or uh, wanted to offer some insights that I can learn from, <laughs> uh, probably the best, uh, best way because I'm, I'm out there, uh, Andreas Hecke and they had questions or, or, you know, I'm always happy to learn it. Like I said, I'm a collector. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in picking up from anybody and everybody, something that I can add to my toolkit. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably the best way to get in touch. If you, if you found some sort of pressing desire. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Andy. Andy, thank you for joining us today and helping us share knowledge and create a better future. I uh, really appreciate it, mate. It's been a pleasure. It's, uh, it's, it's been real fun and uh, really enjoyable. And hopefully somebody's been able to take, take a golden nugget out of that uh, set of stuff there. I'm sure they would have. Thanks again, Andy. Talk soon. Cheers. Bye. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode with Andy Hecke. Firstly, run the shop. Secondly, support your people. Through these two pillars of Andy's model, he has distilled what I believe are the foundational elements of any excellence journey. Firstly, a quality running shop or day-to-day business. If an organization has a shop floor or processes that are out of control with quality and safety impacts, it will be hard for anyone to put time into delivering a plan. Likewise, with my second takeaway, if the people of the organization are not supported, engaged and aligned to the culture and journey the organization is on, achieving any plan and related goals is not going to be easy. Andy provided a great analogy of a dog sled pack. In this scenario, you will have leaders trying to carry all the dogs or giving up completely. The key for leaders facing either of these problems is to start their improvement efforts on running the shop and supporting their people. Take control of these two areas to achieve stability and the motivation of people to move forward. Having a meaningful, challenging goal with a purpose that people will rally behind can help with this. Just be clear with everyone that the first step is to improve our culture and achieve stability in our operation before we start taking on any additional elements of the plan. Thanks again, Andy, for your time and your knowledge. Really appreciate it. Bye for now.